African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Uh, thank you for joining us at 1100 hours Central African time. It is time for African Dialogue. And you're joining us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa on DSTV. You're on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And you can also stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're going to be loosely looking at opposition politics on the African continent and we're going to be looking at some of the trends that we've seen, especially because we've had so many elections uh, this year on the African continent. But we've also seen some interesting things happening. One that stands out is uh, uh, seeing uh, uh, Nelson Chamisa's response after uh, the elections uh, recently. Nelson Chamisa of Zimbabwe considering embarking on the same route that Rayla Odinga of the Republic of Kenya declaring himself the people presidents and uh, it's very interesting to see such of the trends but we also look at other forms of opposition uh, movements that are taking place on the African continent we can even cite what's happening in uh, uh, Rwanda especially this week or last week after we saw Victoire Ngabira being released there and uh, she's been calling out also for the release of more uh, political prisoners in Rwanda so there's been a lot of permutations in terms of what's happening in opposition politics on the African continent. Well, we've been joined in our studio by Professor David Moore, who is joining us in studio. He is from the Department of Development Studies at the University of Johannesburg. Also on the line, we've got Dr. Jesse Kabuila, Member of Parliament, who is an opposition and also Chair of the Women Caucus in uh, Malawi's Parliament. And I'm um, being told also we'll have uh, Jesse Majome, who is a constitutional lawyer and also former uh, Member of Zimbabwe Parliament and MDC member. Uh, let me start with you, Professor Moore, in, in terms of looking at opposition politics as a whole on the African continent we see various challenges in different countries, but um, you can't really pin one trend for one um, for the whole continent because different things are happening all the time when it comes to politics of the African uh, continent. But what's your general assessment of opposition politics uh, in Africa? Right. Thanks, Benjamin. I think what I'll try and do is give you a general thesis sure. and see how uh, the two Jesse's respond. Sure, and, sure. And, and do you also have people phoning in? I'm not sure. No, we, we uh, don't. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so here's my broad thesis. If you look at the Cold War, mm. there were a lot of one-party states around Africa. Sure. And these parties were supported by the West, or call them the capitalist countries if you want, because these parties often were anti-communist, right? They They... They agreed with the uh, United States and the European countries that uh, they would keep out the communists. Uh, and you can find all sorts of CIA documents worried about student leaders and, you know, give them a scholarship and bring them into the system. Um, 
So we had from Mobutu sure. to even Robert Mugabe, who yeah. was basically kind of left alone in the 1980s. He did Gukuruhundi, you know, mm. the massacre of the Matabele people. Sure. Um, because largely, at least this is my conjecture, more than a conjecture, he kept the ANC under control because the ANC was seen by the West as controlled by the SACP and Russia. So mm. the geopolitics of that era created the one-party state. There were there was opposition parties as independents arose in the 60s, right? Sure. So they get thrown out. So then we have two things happening. We have neoliberal economic policies, which are making life very difficult for the working people across Africa. Sure. Simultaneously, almost simultaneously with that, um, within a couple of years, even a decade, you had the end of the Cold War. So all of a sudden... You have working class people thrown out of jobs, demonstrating. You had the rise in, in food prices, the end of subsidies, and so on. And you have democracy. Democracy kind of comes in, liberal mm. democracy. Let's have a new party. Let's have constitutional democracy, the NCA in Zimbabwe, and so on. Um, but... The, the base for that is often trade unions. I think Zambia would be the, the, the best case here. We had sure. the movement for multi-party democracy led by Chaluba. Yeah. They win the elections. But they take on the economic policies, which are not conducive to working class uh, activities. You have the end of nationalized companies sure. in, in Zambia. You have the textile industry which goes into ruin. You have the privatization of the copper. Copper prices are going down anyway. So you have that base for the new parties kind of disappears. Mm -hmm. The MDC in Zimbabwe, and Jesse Majome may, may correct me if I'm wrong, started out as uh, a trade union-based party as well as the intellectuals who were the human rights lawyers sure. and so on who actually were denied jobs in the civil service because this, the state was being retracted. So you have a lot of intellectuals mm -hmm. kind of, well, needing jobs. Mm -hmm. Now that's a bit cynical, but you have, you know, democracy, new parties, NGOs, taking up that slack for the intellectuals. Yeah. So, the, the, and, and especially in Zimbabwe, the deindustrialization of the yeah. country after the land invasions, your working class base yeah. disappears. Yeah. And similarly in other countries with these economic structural adjustment policies, the working class kind of disappears. So the social base for the opposition parties disappears, changes in many ways. Mm. That's, that's a thesis. And I'm saying that probably, mm. here's my guess, here's sure. my hypothesis, is that opposition parties become very similar to the ruling parties. Mm. What are their different policies? Mm. What is the relationship with the peasants, the working class, mm. the poor? Is it that much different? So the politics becomes a little bit Similar, we often see the corruption within the opposition parties, just like in the ruling parties. Yes. City governments sometimes get taken by the uh, opposition parties, mm. and we see a lot of rough trade. Yes. At the same time, we see the ruling parties developing much, much more sophisticated ways of winning elections. Mm. So Nick, Nick Cheesman has come up with mm. a book, How to Rig an Election. So, so in, in spite of intimidation, mm. in addition to intimidation, mm. you get the rigging. So where does the opposition come from now? Boko Haram, Al-Shabaab, mm. unemployed workers, the EFF, authoritarian populism. Mm. So these are the sort of alternatives which are arising in this 
new social configuration mm-hmm. which is not leading to the type of policies and new parties that could really create a progressive future. That's, that's, a, that's my thesis. All right. Very interesting viewpoints that are coming there from uh, Professor Moore and uh, does actually kind of show some of the strained conditions that um, opposition parties actually function in, in the current political space in Zimbabwe, in, not just in countries such as Zimbabwe, but also just generally in, 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 in the African continent. Let me bring in our other guests into the conversation. Dr. Jessica Buila is on the line. Uh, she is a member of parliament and uh, she's in the opposition and also a chair in the Women Caucus in the parliament of Malawi. Let's also bring Jesse Majome, who is a constitutional lawyer and also a former member in Zimbabwe's parliament and MDC member. Uh, let me start with you, uh, Jesse Majome. Thank you for giving us your time. Um, okay, I think we lost uh, Jesse there. Let's see if we can get the other Jesse, Dr. Jesse Kabuila, on the line. Uh, Dr. Kabuila, are you there for us? Yes, I am. Fantastic. I mean, I don't know if you heard some of the viewpoints that were brought forward there by Professor Moore as we are looking at opposition politics on the African continent. And I know in um, Malawi, the um, opposition uh, politics are very vibrant. They're very contentious um, in what we've seen in the past few months as well. We've seen a, a lot of engaging, especially with the recent issues of public protests. But looking at the environment currently right now, do you think it's a safe space uh, for opposition politics, especially in the very strained socioeconomic challenges that African countries face? Uh, I, I'm not sure I got the question whether I think it's a slim space. Did you say slim space? Yes. Uh, I, I, I would say yes. Uh, the space is slim for sure, just as any space defined by power is going to be. My problem is whether I look at opposition or ruling, I think often the thing that is frustrating is few of the politicians are in this for ideological reasons or few of them are in it for service, whether I look on the opposition or on the ruling. What this means is that often intra-party democracy is really failing, and especially on women, and strong women for that matter. I want to start off by actually expressing my pain and anger at what has happened to politicians like Jessie Majomi. We all know the caliber that she is, but what I will tell you is, as chair of the Sadiq Women's Caucus, I knew that she was facing an uphill struggle long in advance. And it wasn't just because of what the ruling party was doing. It is also problems that we're having in the intra-party politics. So yeah, I wish I could stand here as an opposition member and say the real problem is just the ruling parties, but I don't believe it. I think it's a shared thing. The real problem we've got is most of our politicians, even those in the opposition, are not in this because they believe in a certain ideal. Most of them are there to work out political settlements with even the ruling party and see what they gain out of this. And the gain is nothing to do with the people. So for me, I think it's about time. Opposition parties, ruling parties, every party that calls itself a party must define why it exists, and where does, it, does its power reside? When you lose politicians of the caliber of Jesse Majomi, who have stood firm not only on issues that will benefit a few people, but the, the ones that will benefit the nation, 
but yet you see that if they are using a proportional representation, they don't even make it on the list. Let's go to the, the political parties themselves. Mm. Uh, what I want to tell you is there's a crisis of opposition parties, you know, knowing why they, they, they mm. are there and not just being there because they want a chance to go and eat the money that the ruling party is eating. I'm sorry to say mm. a good number of the um, opposition parties leave a lot to be desired. You find that they don't care about um, gender issues. They don't understand that without keeping women in parliament, especially credible women, sure. is what will develop this um, the, the Sadiq region. This is the heartbeat of HIV AIDS pandemic. This is the heartbeat of patriarchy and poverty and whatever. They were a woman's face, but when our polit- political parties do politics, they actually leave all this talk of 50-50 are mm. just cosmetic. They don't mean anything. What they are there to do is to have a boys club that will go in there and share the spoils that were being shared by the other boys club of the ruling party. All right, let me bring our other guest, uh, Dr. Um, Kabwila, that's uh, Jesse Majome. I um, hope that our line is better with uh, Jesse there. Um, I just hear it crackling a little bit, so I'm not quite sure if it's clear. Uh, but uh, Jesse, can you hear me clearly from there? Yes, I can. Okay, uh, fantastic. Fantastic. I hear you very clearly. Um, you hearing your support. They're coming from Dr. Kabwila. They're standing as uh, a pro-opposition uh, feminist and uh, viewpoints coming from there. I mean, you had to, to actually stand as an independent in the elections and uh, you were beaten by your own MDC Alliance uh, candidate. And uh, especially in these uh, past elections, Jesse, in Zimbabwe, we saw a lot of polarization within Zimbabwe's opposition um, uh, space. Uh, what are your views where opposition sits currently in Zimbabwe and on, on, on the African continent as a whole? But give us your uh, viewpoint, especially from your recent experience. I would agree with uh, my sister yesterday. I just thought, ah, I thought I recognized the voice. My sister, I mentioned, <laughs> I thought I have to say this. Hi, Jessie. I would say that, look, I do agree with her that uh, the state of opposition politics in Africa, or in the government, I think that's my thing, is in jeopardy. Um, it is not fit for purpose. It's not delivering uh, its um, intended, um, you know, like uh, aim. It should always provide um, a viable alternative government. And not even just viable, but actually better. It should provide uh, uh, an opportunity um, to, for citizens to see that, look, make us, if you have this government in power, your life will be better. It must speak better. It must do better. And it must inspire better. And uh, I am not seeing it. And I'm seeing a very interesting cycle in opposition politics in Zimbabwe. Mm. That very unfortunately, there's um, a space that was fought for with blood, sweat, and tears um, of pro-democracy forces uh, in Zimbabwe mm. to literally blow up, uh, you know, like the mountain, <laughs> the monolith of uh, one party literally very repressive and very violent state. That was done by a lot of people that culminated in movements, which were social movements, I think the women's movement, the labor movement, student movement, and also even business to some extent. 
to mm. open, to uh, actually blow up uh, uh, like yeah, that, that, that mountain mm. that set in the way of any freedom in Zimbabwe. And it culminated in the formation of a movement for democratic change with the aim of taking political power through democratic means in order uh, to run Zimbabwe, govern Zimbabwe, using social, uh, the ideology of social democracy. Yeah. That is the free market economy, process economy, but with uh, fairness and equity for uh, marginalized groups, and therefore the gender equality, the disabled, those with disability, the young, the aged, and so on and so on. Um, and, and, and particularly the promotion of human rights. So what has happened now, in all the years that uh, the NDC has been in power, I can see a cycle. It's on the way, you know, it's like a graph. It's been started with those ideas, very clear about where it was going. It goes up, it's hit some, uh, some normal, some high. It's now actually descending. You would never believe uh, <laughs> that um, in this particular election, I am, I am very heartbroken to see my own party, which was my former party, um, behaving in a manner that is actually now even worse than, 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 than the ruling party. In terms of the very notion of democracy, the very idea of allowing people to speak their thoughts and to express their views, even if they're different. That is the beginning of democracy. But I have seen, I'm seeing increasing, um, how can I call it, I think it's actually fascism. Hmm. Um, that doesn't even allow people to think differently, like throwing a party line. It's, it's more or less like a communist, uh, you know, like a hmm. <laughs> communist. This is, this is like a democratic party that you need to oppose. And I'm seeing, sadly, hmm. a case of violence, education, censorship, and outright and democratic parts issues and dictatorship um, that are happening. And, and sadly, I'm seeing it's becoming and has become just you know, from that, that that party that mm. was a little opposing the government in order to bring in a better society. It's just deteriorating. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lost uh, Jessie there. I think we're going to try to get her back. Very interesting viewpoints coming there, actually criticizing your own movement there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. I want to get your ideas or what you think of these discussions. And we didn't do this on purpose, getting two women in this discussion. It just happened that they were the two women that were available in opposition politics. And uh, those are the uh, ladies that we got on the line. But we're going to uh, really unpack uh, some of these issues that are brought by female opposition uh, politicians. Uh, Let's do that after this break. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, It's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Yeah. 
Well, 27 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. We're looking at the issue of opposition politics on the African continent. Where are we right now? What are the different nuances? Um, We've got Professor David Moore joining us in our Johannesburg studios from the University of Johannesburg's uh, Department of Development Studies. And Dr. Jesse Kabwila joins us also on the line, Member of uh, Parliament uh, in Malawi. And Jesse Majome joins us, a constitutional lawyer and also a former member of Zimbabwe Parliament and MDC member. Professor Moore, we listening to these two women in opposition politics in uh, contemporary Africa, really, really denouncing the atmosphere in which um, they see themselves operating within opposition, um, the opposition sphere in, in the political sphere, uh, debate. What are your observations of some of their views? Well, I think they have fascinating perspectives, and it's very interesting to see how disenchanted uh, powerful women in the opposition are. Mm. Um, But I'd like to ask them perhaps to focus on when, perhaps, the changes came about. Mm. Um, I think we we got a good idea from uh, Jesse Majome, Mm. the kind of history of the MDC. Mm. I'd like a little bit more from Jesse Kabula, about the history of, of, of the opposition in, in Malawi and in both cases the relationship with other powerful social forces, social movements, trade unions, mm-hmm. students, women, youth, uh, the informal sector, um, which now of course in Zimbabwe is, is you know, 95% of working sure, people yeah, are sure. working for themselves for, in the mm-hmm. informal sector. And I'd also like to ask um, the issue of donors. Because certainly at the end of the Cold War, the donors came in in a big way. Mm. Lots of advice, lots of money. Some people would say that the MDC, even under Morgan Shangarai, was corrupted by donor funding. One can go back to Robert Mugabe back in the early 60s mm. when trade unions in Zimbabwe were struggling among each other mm. for donor funding, for the relationship with uh, international trade mm. unions. Mm. And an American... Um, Consul, sort of consuls, consular secretary, had an interview with Mugabe. Um, it's in a book by a friend of mine. And he says, Robert Mugabe, what do you think of donor funding? And Robert Mugabe says, well, we all need donor funding. We're poor. <laughs> you know, we don't have a big business class to mm. donate to us. Sure. Uh, trade unions can't afford to take big check-off dues. So we need donor funding. The question is to ride the crocodile, or maybe it was a tiger, <laughs> uh, to ride the crocodile without getting inside. Mm. And so I think that the relationship with with international uh, donors and so on has been important. And I'd like to ask uh, both both uh, candidates, I was mm. going to say, <laughs> um, uh, both women, how they see that relationship changing. Because I'm getting the idea that um, the, uh, the romance with liberal democracy has worn off mm. and that the so-called West is kind of saying, well, these opposition parties are all very similar to the ruling party. Let's just go with a soft authoritarian like um, um, Kagame mm. or Munangagwa. Mm. Um, and I think the support for real democracy has, has, has gone away from, from, those, from those sources. So what does that mean, actually, for opposition? Will it make it tougher for the opposition? Opposition often ends up fighting themselves. Sure. You know, one is familiar with what happens with all the 
Marxist revolutionary parties yeah. around the world, they end up having factions and yeah. fighting themselves instead of focusing. The question of of unity, I think, yeah. is important for opposition. But unity for what? Yeah. You know, is it unity just to 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 get a better seat by the trough, or is it unity with the social forces that that traditionally one sees historically? Uh, I mean, in in England, for example, you see people struggling for democracy in 1647. You see the Chartists in the uh, middle of the 19th century. They're long, long, long struggles, but they're in tandem yeah. with the industrialization sure. of 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 societies. Society, and yeah. so you have a strong working class, sure. women and men. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not sure if we can just say women are all the same. Mm-hmm. You know, we have rich women, poor women, mm. uh, women with the ideologies like the, the two Jessies might like mm. and, and, and without. So we have to look at how these these uh, uh, groups in society relate to each other in, in terms of what uh, I think Jess, uh, both Jessies were saying is, a, mm. is an ideology. What yeah. is a new ideology that, that um, uh, opposition parties can develop? And also, I think, a generational mm. question. Mm. What is... Because um, I think that the two women we've been speaking to are mm. from a generation which was really pushing for mm. democratization mm. in the late 1990s, the early yeah. 2000s. Sure. Now we have a totally different generation sure. which is coming into their late 20s and 30s who have lived a politics that has been disappointing and that has mm. disappointed yeah. that generation of people who are now in their 40s, 45, yeah. Yeah. Um, who are, some of them are outside of the trough and some mm. of them are inside some of them want inside some mm. of them want to change it mm. so what are the relations with with uh, young women and sure. young men all yeah. right let, let's look at those different pieces because i think um you've highlighted a lot of layers there professor moore but i'd like to start with you uh, dr kabuila in terms of that question uh, that professor moore was highlighting especially in terms of uh, opposition uh, parties in um in your country malawi and in relation to how they have um, associations with whether it's civil society or whether with the, its trade union f- uh, fabric of the country. Okay, uh, thank you very much. Um, I happen to have uh, been the president of the union, so I come from a very strong unionist background where I was the leader and I got into politics after leading the academic freedom struggle, which was the academic union fighting government and we defeated DPP and won that battle resoundingly. Mm. Now, <clears throat> we also did it working with the opposition then. And the question now is, are we working with the union? What I will tell you is unionism, just as um, most institutions to the left mm. of capitalism are under a lot of oppression, is also under a lot of tokenism in Malawi at the moment. You will notice that the labor, the, 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 the unionist uh, politics is one decidedly and markedly not gendered. Strong women have not made it in, in, in unions, even those who truly represent the poor. The, the, the left has been very beleaguered when it came to standing on integrity to start with. Secondly, is it the wh- relationship between unions hmm. and um, and political parties mm, mm. In, in Malawi, especially the opposition, has been going down because most of the people in the civil society and unions have crossed over joining the politics. A good example is myself. 
Mm. And unfortunately, those of us who have left the other side to go into government, instead of uh, changing issues, have become part of the furniture. Mm. I think a good number of us have sold out big time. Now you hear language like you don't understand what is going on. <laughs> or you know these things take time. Mm. Or we want to fight from the inside. <laughs> All you should say is you've, you've gotten space on the menu and you're eating. And as they say, when you're eating, you don't talk. Mm. So the, <laughs> the good number of uh, people from unions, from the labor movement, have not managed to uphold uh, the serious, the, the simple principle of gender, I mean, issue of equality and the issue of women empowerment mm. is not a negotiable issue if you want to develop. The politics of fighting poverty cannot be done when the face of the people or the people who are poor are being told to keep quiet and dance to the patriarchal tune that is there. So I'll put it to you simply. The, where did things go wrong? As the professor has said, we must know where did the relationship go wrong. Well, it went wrong when capitalism started benefiting the few and the few have gotten a position they've even planted their own people in the unions and in civil society now you've got judiciary seriously compromised in malawi let's go to the third of arm of, the third arm of government is seriously in trouble media it's mm. a joke i mean you find that the news that people write are news that will give them money on the table and take their school their children to school if you ask me the left has sold out big time and it has sold out to the tune of the price that the uh, first arm of government, which is the executive, has been doing. That's why the executive doesn't want to move. And the executive knows, the ruling party knows, if we can share them a good uh, amount of this cake, everything will be okay. Look mm. at Kenya. Look at um, Zimbabwe. All that you see is at the end of the day, people tell you, you know, we want peace. We don't want you people to fight. Sit down and let's talk. And when you talk, ask for the donors they're talking about. To me, those are the kingpins of this mess. What I'm seeing is most of the donors, they do not require, they don't want Africa to be in peace. Because we are the engine of capitalism. If we are okay, where are they going to get cheap labor? Mm. Where are they going to get resources to loot? In case people haven't noticed, whatever it is we call donors, most of them are here to make sure that their countries continue to be called the first world and we are called the 14th or the third, whatever. <laughs> this whole thing is engineered right from the start. Let, Let me, me be very, very honest here no. and admit that for me, the real problem is we are expecting salvation from the very people who are profiting from this chaos. They stand up morning and night to engineer this chaos so that they can buy bigger cars and they can actually marry more wives and mm. be, you know, be a, more affluent on the backs of poor people, majority of whom are women of the Sadiq region. Let me bring the other Jesse in, Dr. Kabula. So, because I, I mean, let's not lie to each other. Civil society, uh, whether it's media or mm. judiciary, all laws implementation, mm. conceptualization is being done to oppress women and use religion as a crutch, culture as a, as a crutch, when all what we mean is, can you not, can you stop rocking the boat, things are okay, and whoever rocks it is thrown out of parliament or mm. thrown out of the ruling party, thrown out of wherever. So to me it's a collision, the whole thing is a mess. All right, let, let me bring in uh, um, Jesse Majome because I think uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, viewpoints that are coming out, especially when it comes to opposition um, 
in Zimbabwe, for me, I see it as more conservative uh, to the history of what we've seen in terms of the Robert Mugabe uh, policies. And just was like was highlighted by Professor Moore was uh, uh, the fact that uh, even with Morgan Changarai's uh, rise, uh, we saw a very much strong relationship uh, with um, with. Uh, Europe as a whole, and uh, uh, there was a lot of critical viewpoints coming out from Morgan Changarai's uh, uh, leadership style in terms of what of his, his intent with the relationship with Europe, and that's where the donor question comes in when it comes to opposition politics, Jesse. W- what are your thoughts? Do you think that's where uh, things went wrong when you saw almost uh, a European face uh, behind MDC, and uh, it's uh, people have that kind of viewpoint uh, uh, from Morgan Changarai's rulership? Um, you know, I often hear about this uh, and about uh, Okay, I'm struggling with I'm struggling with your line there, Jesse. Jesse, can you hear me? I'm struggling with I'm struggling with your line now. Yeah, no, we're losing you there on that particular line. I'm going to just take a quick break and see if we can just reestablish connection with you quickly after this break. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French, and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Yes, you are listening uh, to uh, Channel Africa, and I was trying to get uh, Jessie Majume there to give us uh, her viewpoints. Maybe we can see if we can re-establish a line with her. Um, but uh, Professor David Moore, I don't know how we can wrap up this conversation because it seems very complex from where I sit. Because I do see what most of these opposition politics. Uh, like what we're seeing here in South Africa where we saw coalition um, uh, uh, coalition merge, mergers from opposition and local government. And then we saw just recently a fallout from most of those coalitions that took place in opposition. It seems like there is no really structured opposition in terms of whether uh, people understand um, the differentiation from their policy standpoint of view and also the bickering of intrapolitics seem to also dominate in Africa. Mm, yeah, um, we certainly seen the EFF uh, splinter in that the, the Black Land First group has gone off. We've seen um, at one time, I think the EFF was kind of anti uh, traditional rulers, but then you see Malema going and uh, <laughs> hugging uh, King Goodwill's relatively. <laughs> There's a lot of and I think again, it's this ideological looseness, which part of is because of the uh, the the lack of a 
left-wing alternative in the world. Sure. I mean, we're seeing the authoritarian populists, you know, from uh, Marie Le Pen to Donald Trump, Trump and yeah. I'm sorry I had to raise his name because um, <laughs> this is not a good it's not a good advertisement for democracy. I, I remember Leonard Cohen's uh, yeah. song many years ago, mm-hmm. Democracy's Coming to the United States. <laughs> you know, it takes a long time. Um, so, and I think as we as we come up to the election and certainly as we see the s- splits within the ANC, and we see the president, uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, having to deal, having to keep the ANC together. And one part of that is moving to what you might call the left, moving to the EFF, the land question. Um, and that, of course, makes people think, is the EFF or Julius Malema going to end up making an alliance with the ANC? With the DA itself, I think there you have a very interesting phenomenon because you have its roots in the progressive, the federals, uh, the, and there is there is a strong element of what you might call real liberalism, uh, free market, free association, all of those sorts of things that we associate with liberalism, both economic and political, and there is a difference. Um, and the worries, people like Tony Leon are worried that if the... <laughs> DA reaches out to its quote-unquote racial constituency, will it lose that liberalism? And so you see uh, my manny saying, uh, you know, well, BEE is not a bad idea. Let's. So we there, there's there's difficulties in the DA as well. Mm. And I think if you look at uh, some of the city politics in uh, in, in Cape Town, you will see deployment of cadres, mm. which we worry about with the ANC. So there's there's these structural and perhaps cultural uh, issues there. I think also within, um, certainly within Zimbabwe and Malawi, and to some extent here we were talking about goodwill mm-hmm. Zulatini, mm-hmm. is the relationship of traditional mm-hmm. rulers, mm-hmm. chiefs, kings, mm-hmm. royal families, mm-hmm. with the quote-unquote modern mm-hmm. uh, political authorities and parties which come in, which creates a lot of very interesting contradictions. Certainly in Zimbabwe, I mean, people say, oh, Chamisa didn't win. He didn't get enough votes. But if you look at what happens in the rural areas, you know, you have people lighting up. The chiefs know who you voted for. Mm. And they get a few SUVs and a couple of laptops. Mm. Uh, you know, so there's that that hasn't disappeared. And I think that's perhaps something that uh, the, the two Jessies could talk about is what the, what's the relationship between so-called uh, traditional, customary, mm. communal things and patriarchy, mm. you know, mm. and how does that get transformed mm. into so-called modern politics might be interesting mm. to talk about. Uh, Dr. Kabula, I'm also interested in terms of, um, oh, we've run out of time, actually, but just two minutes, just two minutes just to get your final sentiments. Um, I wanted to know from you, Dr. Kabula, in terms of, um, you know, we're having that struggle even in South Africa in terms of policy differentiation from one, from the ruling party to the opposition parties. It seems like um, the lines become blurred, especially even with the land issue right now. We're seeing the ANC also adopting a policy that has been initiated by an opposition and strengthening themselves and saying cementing their views on something that an opposition was very strong upon. Does doesn't opposition have a problem with that differentiating itself from ruling parties? Just in a minute or so, just give me your final sentiments. Yes, I think the opposition has that problem. As I've said, the problem is most parties don't have an ideology. I often find that there are policy contradictions or gaps or just we're in the wilderness. So in a nutshell, yes, 
there is a problem. We are failing to differentiate because most people are not in politics because of what they believe in. They are mm. in it to profit. Well, I'm going to leave it there. I wish that we had more time for this discussion. Um, we've ran out of time. But thank you to Professor David Moore from the University of Johannesburg from the Department of Development Studies, Dr. Jesse Kabula on the line. We also lost Jesse Majome there, uh, the constitutional lawyer from Zimbabwe, and also a former member of the MDC and also former member of the uh, Zimbabwe Parliament. Well, let's quickly move on and get our business news in. We've run out of time. Uh, that's where we're going to leave it today. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize it's just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective.